Welcome into the Sacramento Kings podcast presented by Hoopball. I am Damon Barling and I'm so happy to be here with you. I'm so happy to join the Hoopball family here as we present a Sacramento Kings podcast to you. Obviously, tremendous content from Aaron Bruski and his crew. Aaron Bruski, by the way, is going to join me here in just a few minutes on the podcast. They do tremendous work over there. I'm so happy to be here and be a part of this team and present to you a Sacramento Kings podcast where we can talk about all things related to the Sacramento Kings. I host a daily sports podcast creatively titled The Podcast with Damian Barling. It's available wherever you get podcasts from. I used to work over there on Sports 1140 KHTK covering the Sacramento Kings on a regular basis, and I'm happy to be here to cover the Sacramento Kings with you. We promise to bring you the most up-to-date news on the Sacramento Kings, their players, their coaches, their games, and their transactions. Uh, Unlike many podcasts, though, we won't have set release dates. That's not really our plan. Uh, We're going to drop two a week for sure every week until the NBA season starts. That's the plan. And then once the NBA season gets here, we might drop one, you know, post game. We might drop one pregame, but we'll be dropping multiple uh, podcasts per week here related to the Sacramento Kings. So make sure you subscribe uh, to the podcast if you're new here. And if you're digging what you're listening to, uh, take a split second to rate the show and review the show. We really want to uh, to blow this podcast up here. Uh, Aaron Bruski and that crew over there at hoop-ball.net, they've done a fantastic job at growing a network here, and we're just going to continue to grow it and, and, and make it better and expand out here and make sure all of the Sacramento Kings fans are listening to us here on this Sacramento Kings podcast. Uh, the NBA schedule came out yesterday. Uh, Bruski and I will talk about that. And, you know, one of the major stories is we were planning for launch here. We, we didn't expect to have this. You know, Marvin Bagley withdrew from consideration from uh, USA Basketball. And there are a lot of people wondering, like, oh, like, why? Why now? There's been a lot, you know, brought up about travel. There's been a lot brought up about, you know, the time commitment. It is a lengthy time commitment. Remember, Bagley was added late to the process. He was kind of part of the select team. He was you know, kind of an afterthought in here, like, oh, let's, let's, let's bring Marvin Bagley in here. We need another big. We need another body. Let's get him in here. Let's get him a part of the process. And he comes in and it's five days in Las Vegas and suddenly it's, hey, we like Bagley. Maybe we can get him to come play with us. Oh, wait a minute. Like, I thought it was five days in Las Vegas. Now you want me to go to Los Angeles? Then if you like me in Los Angeles, I, I got to go to Australia. Then after Australia, I got to go to China. And suddenly the commitment becomes, you know, really, you know, from the from today, it's a month-long commitment. And we don't know the specifics of why Marvin Bagley withdrew, though he said it, he wanted to focus on the Sacramento Kings season. And I mean, that's fine. There's no glory in the FIBA World Cup. And I think that's I think that's something that a lot of people are are forgetting. You know, we got a chance to watch the the blue and white game on NBA TV a couple of nights ago in Las Vegas, and it was fun to watch Marvin Bagley play. And obviously De'Aaron Fox was out there. De'Aaron Fox was really good. He made an immediate impact on the game. You know, I think he had like 12 points, shot the ball really well, three b- rebounds, three steals. He kind of showed off everything. Uh Bagley wasn't uh he didn't stuff the stat sheet as much as De'Aaron did, though he did get a lot of people's attention. There were a lot of people who thought that he played uh, really well. But the story uh, coming out of USA Basketball so far has very much been uh, De'Aaron Fox. And De'Aaron has been a, a focal point in conversations with the likes of Greg Popovich and Kemba Walker. What's the uh, He's incredible speed. And, you know, I think... And I'm thinking and hoping that people have a hard time staying in front of him, you know, that kind of stuff. So uh, his, his speed, he's, he's got a high intelligence level. 
Uh, he shoots it well enough, uh, and he wanted to be here. So uh, all those things, you know, came together in us inviting him, and he's he's played well. I think everybody's done a good job. They're all learning a system, and uh, I I couldn't ask for more. It's, it's it's all about the enthusiasm, you know. It's all about the the, the passion for the game and you know the intensity you bring, and he he brings all of that um, each and every night. You know, since he was in college, he's done that, and you know, I've watched him since he was in college. Um, He's brought it to this level, and he's just continuing to get better. And um, he's only going to get better. He's only going to become a better leader. And you could tell. You could tell. You know, being around him uh, these last couple days, you know, you can tell what kind of leader he is and what type of leader he's going to become. So. That's Greg Popovich and Boston Celtic guard Kemba Walker there talking about uh, De'Aaron Fox. And thank you to Sean Cunningham of ABC News 10 for that audio there. So impressive performances from both De'Aaron Fox and Marvin Bagley. Marvin Bagley decided he didn't want to be a part of the process moving forward. Uh, understandable. Can't knock him for that. I, there's no glory in FIBA World Cup, so I get it. This isn't the Olympics. This isn't even uh, the World Championships. Uh, but De'Aaron Fox, I think he's getting a lot out of this. I think he's getting a lot out of playing for Greg Popovich and Steve Kerr. And I think he's getting a lot of a lot out of being around guys uh, like Kimball Walker and some of the other guys out there. Uh, let's bring in my man, Aaron Bruski, the brains behind hoop-ball.com. Bruski, uh, I guess before we get started talking about the Sacramento Kings, man, th- hey, thanks for bringing me on board, man. I'm excited for this. Well, hey, 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 hey. Now, thank you for joining and thank you. The outreach, it was kind of, it was one of these things where, so when, when we saw you became a free agent, I actually mentioned to Dan Vespers, I said, oh man, I really wish we could get Damien you know, on the show. And we got 5 million things going on over here. So we kind of just sat on it. And um, basically, we know the King's Pod is it's one of our flagship pods. We wanted to really do a bang up job on it. So we were going to bring Dan Vespers in, who he's one of the smartest basketball people I know. I mean, when you talk from a gaming and a fantasy standpoint, which for me is where kind of where all the ringers and the people with the money that, you know, when you get the movers and shakers that are betting money on this stuff, that's usually where the the best analysis comes from. Dan's on the top of that. So we were going to bring him in and, and host the show. And I'm thinking, well, it's great. He's, he's got a professional uh, broadcasting background. You know, this is going to be great for the show. And, um, and then, and then me and you linked up and, and it was just like, all right, see you later, Dan. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And it was, you know, I've always, like, I love this opportunity because I never had, I never had like a really strong connection with Kings fans because of the station that I worked at. I felt like there were enough, there was enough of that. So I tried to take it in a different approach and not necessarily an approach that was negative towards the Kings, but an approach where the, the radio show was kind of less about the Kings and, you know, when the Kings were the primary topic, we would make sure that they were covered, but we would cover the national stories and other stories and things that we found interesting. And if you wanted to talk about the Kings for three or four hours a day, you knew where to find that. So this is cool for me to, to have a, a platform now where we can have a connection with with such an amazingly loyal fan base. So I'm, I'm really excited about this. You know, and one of the things that I've really enjoyed, you know, we, 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 I've kind of had this ability as, as long as I've been covering the Kings is, is we're very... Uh, you know, open here. You know, we I feel like we, we do a good job of, of covering the team in a way where we're completely honest. You know, we're not holding anything back. Um, you know, we're we're positive when we need to be positive. We're negative when we need to be negative. And I, and I think that creates a richer experience. It's tougher in a small market because there aren't a lot of voices out there, you know, that are separate from the team 
you know, if you're, if you're working with a team in some capacity, you know, it's really tough to just turn around and be like, that move sucked. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a, it's an, it's a balancing act. So we've had great success, I think, you know, being able to just sort of weigh in on stuff like that. And it gives us a little bit of credibility. I think when the team is, is in my opinion, I think the team is really poised to take a big step forward. You know, you know, those words, they, they ring a little bit more true if, um, you know, when things weren't going so well, you're also out there sort of saying things aren't going so well. So I've enjoyed the format. Uh, you know, big thanks to Christian Villery for, for running the show for a year. Uh, I thought he did a great job. And I, I've really just enjoyed you know, the King's pod here at Hoopball in general. So uh, now we take it to the next level. Huh? Let's do that. And let's let's actually start there. We'll get to USA Basketball and Marvin Bagley and the schedule just came out. You know, it's 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 uh, it came out uh, yesterday. And but you, you mentioned you think this team is poised for a big step forward. Let's let's get what what is your assessment here on the Sacramento Kings a couple of months before training camp gets underway? Okay, so, I mean, it's kind of two different things. On one hand, we have they really added a lot of talent in the offseason. So by almost any measure, you got to just say that's a great job. And um, now the question is, what are they going to do with this talent? And then the biggest million dollar question that's really flown underneath the radar because it's been the dog days of summer. And there hasn't been a lot that's been talked about is, is what's going to happen with Luke Walton, because, you know, Dave Yeager, whatever you had to say about him, you know, good or bad with the continuity he would have brought into this season. You know, I, I think that you would have expected something similar to what we've seen in the past. And with this talent all growing up and, and, and getting, um, you know, really, really dangerous, I think you would you would have pretty high expectations with Dave Yeager at the wheel. Now you bring in Luke Walton. He has off the court stuff going on in L.A., you know, prior to LeBron coming to town, there were a lot of question marks about what he was doing on the floor. You know, and, and, and granted, he was a rookie coach. And, you know, personnel wise, he had a lot of young players and we can dive into that however you'd like to dive into that. But um, he's the big variable right now. So he has to not only bring his system and fit with this new personnel, but he now has too many players. The, the Kings actually have too many players and not enough minutes. And that's always bad for a team. So how does he manage all of that and all of the other things? you know, that are going on in, in that, in that bucket. So that's what I'm watching for this year, but talent wise, my, Oh man, they, they got a lot of talent and they have a lot of configurations that are really hard to defend. They'll have, they'll have advantages on both offense and defense. And if they want to crank up the pace game, that's a third advantage. That's probably as dangerous as anything else. It felt like Davey and I could be, you know, out of place in saying this. I'm just it, the the perception I think was that maybe Dave Yeager is not the best people person, maybe maybe not the best uh, you know, players coach to 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 use that term. Is it as simple as, you know, Luke Walton steps in cuz I personally you mentioned the the Luke Walton version of the Lakers, the young Lakers. I I thought they were I thought they were making steps to be a really good basketball team. And there was a time where, you know, looking back uh, during not not last season, but the season prior where that season ended and you're looking at the Sacramento Kings going, you know, if they wind up like this year's version of the Los Angeles Lakers next year, I'd be really, really happy. Now, obviously, the complexion of the, the Lakers completely changed. We saw what the Sacramento Kings were able to do last year. And now Luke Walton in, enters the mix. Could it just be a a simple thing of he can relate to these young guys a little bit better. We know he has an offensive scheme that is appealing to young players. Is it just simply being able to relate to them better? 
Well, I think you're nailing it on the the Dave Yeager postmortem. Uh, I mean, even just dealing with the media, you know, a lot you can go a long way with, you know, not completely blowing somebody out of the water for a bad question. Yeah. You know, you, you can go a long way by um, just being, I think, kind of like friendly and transparent to the degree that you can be. You know, everybody will look at Steve Kerr as probably, you know, one of the better examples, <clears throat> pardon me, of, of in the media you know, just making people feel welcome and, and, and sort of massaging your message through those channels. But there was a lot of internal strife that we've all talked about over the last year. And, and I'm sure that added a lot of stress. The way he kind of came into the organization, the shotgun marriage. Yeah. You know, I think that also played a role into things. Um, but when you pivot to Luke Walton, you know, who Vlade Divac, this is his guy, you know, he, he's, um, you know, they're, they're, they're pretty connected there. Um, that personal um sort of uh improvement with the players i think will be sort of the pro in, in luke walton's favor when we dive down into the details of that prior team you know before lebron which is exactly where everybody should be looking you know walton did a good job kind of globally i think when you dive down into those details the the folks that were really deep into the lakers film those days they kind of came back with the same sort of um you know, sort of maybe over gambling on defense. Uh, in game substitutions were weird. He benched Julius Randle for an entire season, but uh, benched Brooke Lopez for an entire season, you know, and everybody sort of scratched their head wondering why um, their defensive scheme sort of funneled action in a way that wasn't complimentary. Uh, offensively, they sort of they, they ran a lot. So that was that, and, and that is the number one thing on my list for the Sacramento Kings this season. Mm-hmm. They have to keep that identity. But when they weren't running, they devolved into a lot of isolation with Brandon Ingram and Julius Randle and not a lot of movement off the ball. And you had a lot of weird pieces of that team, too. You had Kentavious Colwell Pope jacking up probably like 12, 13, 14 shots per game on a $20 million deal. <laughs> Nobody knows how he keeps getting. Um, so we're <laughs> Clutch in, sports. In, I'm sorry. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, so, and then the following season, you have everything with LeBron and Rondo. I mean, yeah. you, know, you can't even really measure yeah, that I hated stuff. That. Yeah, I hated that. It, uh, it was a mess. Yeah, I hated it. There, it felt like there were like three or four different versions of the Lakers on one Lakers team. Like there was LeBron, <laughs> and then there were the old guys, and then there were the young guys that were there before. And it's just like, okay, we know who wins this. It's just which one of the, which like how many of these how many of these guys from these separate groups are you going to get to merge with the guy who wins and it's just you know and even the hiring process for Frank Vogel is just like come on guys this is oh. this is such a mess but we'll we'll save that for the uh, hoop dash ball uh, <laughs> Lakers podcast um, and you mentioned you you know you were talking about Luke Walton and the scheme that they were running and bringing over kind of running with the Sacramento Kings and obviously that's what they were famous for last year that's what got the national media's attention was their pace of play. It's obviously what got Dwayne Wade's attention and Eric Spolstra and Greg Popovich and the number of people who were praising the Sacramento Kings in the way that they played last year. And how do, you know, you, you obviously have Luke Walton as the wild card, as you mentioned, as we started this conversation. But what about the new acquisitions that they got? Because every coach always says, I'm going to run, we're going to play with pace, we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And it doesn't always fit the roster that they have. Running fit the roster that the Sacramento Kings have. How much do guys like Dwayne Dedman and Trevor Ariza and these new guys fit in, into that type of scheme? 
Well, okay, so kind of back to the Jaeger thing. One thing Jaeger did really well is he understood the power of pace, and he wanted these guys running and running and running and running because it's a cumulative effect on the other team. It's like body blows in boxing. Like Eventually, the other team can't turn and run or they can't concentrate on every play, and it just it spins their heads, and it starts impacting every other aspect of the game. So it's a total cumulative strategy there. Um, Jaeger was all for it. Now, now Walton's going to like that and that's going to be part of his MO, but there's some technical aspects to it that are really, really important for one, for example, like buddy healed had to come back and rebound a lot. And both him and Fox were really good at grabbing and going and, and pitching the ball ahead. Um, the personnel that started to sort of stymie this stuff was actually Marvin Bagley. And it wasn't because he wasn't willing to run, it was because he's so good at running that his next the, the next logical progression of when you run the floor, you run to the rim, okay, it's not there. Now I'm in the paint. I've got my guy sealed, but maybe not quite good enough to get a quality shot off and maybe not within the flow of what's what's going on. And Bagley kind of taking that space up in the paint wouldn't necessarily slow the team down. So you're looking at Bagley and sort of thinking – would he be deployed in, in a similar way that they deployed Brandon Ingram in, in L.A., where after the, after the fast break sort of devolved, they would find Brandon Ingram. He would initiate the offense. And now you're getting into something that might look different than, say, like a fox pick and roll. So um, the quickness with which that they get into their offense is really going to be critical. And that's going to be an X's and O's thing. How fast do they reset? What do they reset into? And who are the primary ball handlers? And then once you start to look at this new personnel uh, I think Trevor Reza can pitch the ball and head and run. Um, you know, I think Harrison Barnes got it and, and he was pretty much willing to run. Um, Rashawn Holmes can run like crazy. If, if he's on the floor, he's a great, uh, you know, rim running center that can get out of the way, come back up, set screens down, you know, run to the rim, come back, set a screen up high and really get into some quality action there. Dwayne Dedman, not quite the runner you would think he is, um, you know, getting a little bit up there in age. So, uh, not quite sure you're adding much there, but again, I think it comes back to Bagley and does he become the focal point? Cause he's got the talent to become a focal point of almost any NBA offense. I mean, he's really got some unstoppable stuff. If he can learn how to pass out of it, you know, then it unlocks everything. But on the other side of the equation, you have De'Aaron Fox and what he does as a tempo setter and, and really opening up three point shots for everybody else off of those drives. I mean, you kind of got to have to use that and make, make Marvin Bagley the two, you know, the number two option there. Um, how does that all get fleshed out? You know, um, Walton, again, you know, one of the main knots was not having the right personnel on the floor. Um, you know, will he, you know, move to a deer and Fox centric offense. That's kind of what I'm watching for. We'll talk more about Marvin Bagley here in just a moment. Obviously, uh, he's in the news regarding his withdrawal from USA Basketball, and, and we'll get to that and potential reasons on that in just a heartbeat. But since we're focused on the uh, collective team right now, Ruski, this schedule's brutal, man. This schedule's brutal. I mean, seven games in the first 11 days of the season, and then you when you take a look at that last little stretch that they have to close out the season where they got – the Spurs a couple of times. They got the Lakers a couple of times. They got the Clippers in there. They got the Jazz in there. They got the Nuggets in there. It's it, it, it looks like, again, this is just the schedule. It looks like a tough road for the Kings, particularly at the start and the end of the season. You know, I think that the league is getting so good. There's so much talent now. I mean, these the worst teams in the league have like two or three guys that are just sort of like, you know, amazing. And um, 
That's what I see. But but what I'm looking at, you know, I'm looking for the kind of the unnatural back to back. Like, yeah, you're right. And in game three, after playing Portland, who's going to be good. Yeah. They have a ton of continuity there. They're going to fly to Utah, you know, and play a game that next night. That's a classic betters gambling, you know, trap getting into that high altitude. You could almost chalk that up as a loss. But what I do like in that first set is is they're going to play Phoenix. They should win that game. Um, you know, they're going to get a Charlotte team that they can beat. Um, they're going to take their lumps, I guess, against Utah. I would be, um, you know, pretty, pretty surprised if they won either game there. Um, but then they get New York. I think they can win in Toronto. I think they can win Atlanta. So I think that while it's going to be a tough start out the gate, um, they might have more interest in winning those games than say like a Denver, you know, as much continuity as Portland has, you know, they have played a lot of games, you know, that, that whole group. So they might not be, you know, firing on all cylinders. So I think they could sneak up on teams, but looking through the entire schedule, I did not see many of those, uh, the, these tough, tough, tough back-to-backs. Um, and then I know a lot of folks are talking about April. Yeah. Um, really that just come, kind of comes down to who's in it and, and, and what the seating is. So hopefully, you know, it is going to be tough, but you know, hopefully some of those teams are taking some time off, but I went and I did a little unofficial win loss count in that schedule. I got a pretty high number. Okay. For the Kings. Yeah. It, I, I don't know what Vegas is saying right now. I forget. Uh, I've, uh, I've seen, I've seen several, but most of them are actually lower than the 39 total last year. I think I've seen as low as 35. This probably wasn't Vegas, but I think I saw as low as 35. I think I've seen 37 or 38 somewhere around there. Yeah. I, I have 41 conservatively. 41. And, and okay. That's that, too better than last year. And I'm assuming that that's not good enough to make the playoffs. I don't think so. Not in, not in the West this year, but I mean, that, that, that's a conservative number and I wouldn't expect them to dip below that unless there are some serious log jam issues in the rotation or if there's some serious playing time or coaching issues or something happens. That's really, really weird. Um, and I think they have a lot of upside beyond that number. It's, um, you know, this, the potential to, to field a lineup where you have Fox and healed, and then, you know, we could kind of just forget about the small forward position there for a second. Uh, you know, Bagley and I always kind of gravitate to Rashawn Holmes because I always I think defensively, if you're strong there and, and you can get out on the fast break because of stops and and, and really take advantage of what the, the Kings do best. I mean, th- those two, and can contr- they can control the paint against most teams. They might struggle against a Joel Embiid or some of these bigger centers out there, but laterally they can fly vertically. They can fly. Um, you know, a lot of people don't know about Holmes is he's one of the better pick and roll defenders in the entire league. As far as, um, you know, elite players, when they would come across his path in the pick and roll, you know, these guys like Steph Curry and, you know, whatever combination they were running out there, they would just sort of look at him and say, nah, you know, we'll just go pick on somebody else. Cause, cause it's not even worth it going against you. And, um, so that with, with the configurations the Kings can put together, I think they can beat high end teams especially if those high-end teams aren't taking them seriously. So I wouldn't be shocked if they won 45, 46 games. See, but that's the thing. I don't feel like they're going to sneak up on anyone this year. I, I, I don't feel like, to, to play into what you just said, teams not taking them seriously. Maybe that happened last year. I don't think that's going to happen this year. And I don't want to say You're teams are... probably right. I don't know that they're up for the Sacramento Kings, but they're not catching anyone off guard. No, because when somebody has that level of quickness, I'm thinking specifically of De'Aaron Fox right sure. now, you know, it shakes you up because now you know you can't cover him even on a good day. You, you've really got to kind of like pre-plan, 
hey, this guy can get to spots that we can't stop him. And so that that kind of fear, I think, players respect. That's like kind of why players always respect scoring, you know, more than the average, say, analytics guy on Twitter. You know, they're, they're, they're like, man, I know you can do this, and that makes you dangerous. And so they get up for those guys, and I think that you're right. There's not going to be a lot of teams that sneak by, um, but there's a lot of winnable games on this schedule. Against, even against some of these kind of teams you think are higher ends, you know, teams, I, I think that looking at, um, you know, the Miamis, the Detroits, I'm just sort of picking names off the schedule right now. The Dallas is these mid tier teams that have a lot of name value out there in the marketplace. I think the Kings just roster wise, just kind of roll over them. And that that's kind of before we factor in if Trevor Ariza is good and he hasn't been good for the last two seasons, if he's good, that, that makes a huge difference. If, if Harrison Barnes can actually play the three, that makes a huge difference because these are two question marks that we sort of have right now. Can they actually play the three? You know, the lateral quickness issues there, you know, come into play and they could probably survive on some minutes there, but does it become a deficiency? If they actually check those boxes, you know, if um, playing time and rotation decisions are really tight, if they trade a guy in the middle of the year to sort of ease this thing, because I mean, like Trevor Reza played 30 plus minutes for, for basically the last 10 years of his career or more. You know, there's only like 10, 15 minutes for him, you know, in this configuration right now. And that's if you're not playing the Manja Bielitsa. So uh, the Kings have real issues there. Uh, but I, I do think that, yeah, 40, 45, 46, I kind of want to put that as my number. Um, but I've been burnt on that in the past. <laughs> as we've, uh, as we all have, uh, as we're discussing here, I got an alert from Bleacher Report. 538 projects the Sacramento Kings at 33 wins. The folks over at Bleacher Report see, and this is the highest number I've seen for the Kings, at 40 and 42. They also have the Orlando Magic at 42 and 40. So there's uh, there's that you can yeah. take that for what it's worth, regardless of. You, you, we uh, Dan and I have been putting our numbers out there for the last two years, and uh, you know I think I went thirteen and ten last year, and then like twenty and ten the year before. We'll, we'll go with our numbers. That's a, that's a good <laughs> idea, and regardless of how many games that they win, only one of them will be played on national television, and that's going to be on ESPN against Zion Williamson and the New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, just for those keeping track, the Atlanta Hawks have four nationally televised games and the Oklahoma City Thunder, without a star in sight, they have three uh, nationally televised games. Yeah, I got nothing for you there. I have no idea what that's all about. I was um, surprised by that. Like, I know SAC, I, I actually thought SAC broke into the mainstream darling category last year and thought, okay, Five to seven, maybe two on TNT. I, I, I thought we had some, you know, I, I, I thought I thought there was a possibility for a number of nationally televised games. I was really surprised it was one. And it's an ESPN game. It's not a knock on ESPN, but we know that TNT is always the big game. And they, they didn't even get a TNT run. I got nothing for you there. It makes, I mean, I kind of have the same exact take as you there. But the whole Team USA stuff, I mean, these guys and... They're they're blue chippers, you know. Darren Fox, Marvin Bagley, Duke in Kentucky. I mean, you know, these are guys that are well known throughout the country. And the only thing I can think of is it's just pure mathematics, market size. But you know, you cite some of those other places as well. And uh, yeah, I got nothing for you there. Well, let's go there, Brewski, because you brought him up. Marvin Bagley, uh, he withdrew from consideration for the FIBA World Cup, and there's tons of speculation as to why. I don't know if you have any insight into this, but what, what do you think? Uh, what do you think about Bagley withdrawing from from the USA uh, national team? You know, team? 
I haven't hopped on my horse and, and, you know, gotten into the reporting world on that yet. Um, the, uh, it, my first thing when I think of this is what's going on with him physically, like, you know, the knee issue he had last year, it was one of those where, you know, you could see that there was possibly damage being done there. And, uh, the second time he heard it, it was such a jarring hit on the ground that, um, it, it just kind of looked like something that might leave a mark. Um, so that's kind of what I think when I, that's the very first thing I think. And then obviously I would follow up and, and try to see what exactly is going on there. Um, it's a weird year for team USA. Yeah. So many defections. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's difficult. It, it, it's, it's hard because there, there's so many different things that can go into the thought process. Cause remember he wasn't even on the national team. He was on the select team. He was kind of a, in, you know, I don't mean this into be an uber negative term, but he was an afterthought. He was an after idea. He was like, uh, kind of, oh, yeah, what about Marvin Bagley? Let's bring him in here. And it goes from, hey, OK, I'll go spend five days in Las Vegas. Why not? My boy De'Aaron is there. My boy Harrison is there. Uh, I got to, you know, t- I know all of these guys around the league get to play a little bit for Greg Popovich and Steve Kerr. This will be great. And it's Vegas. What the hell? Wait a minute. I'm sorry. What? Oh, I did good. Oh, thanks, man. Wait, I'm sorry. What? You want me to Australia? I'm sorry. Wait a minute. I might have to commit to this till September 15th. Uh, you know, I, I had a vacation planned uh, next week, man. I'm going to have to holler at y'all because I, I didn't expect this. Yeah, it, it, this year is just a, it's a bad year for that. I think a lot of teams now have a chance at an NBA title as well. A lot of teams are really close to figuring out what they are. And, and those are the kinds of years that you really want to hunker down and, and get in there. And, um, you know, work out and, and try to figure out exactly where you stand. And, and especially with Bagley, I mean, what, what are they going to do with yeah. him? Are they going to make him a focal point? We don't know. He better be. Because <laughs> that was one of my beefs with Dave Yeager last year. You can have your thing with, well, Dave Yeager doesn't play rookies. It was a conversation we had on the radio a number of times. It wasn't, it's not what Dave Yeager does. And it's like, yo, when Marvin Bagley plays 30 minutes, man, he's like, 22 and 12 like you've been waiting for a guy to be demarcus cousins okay you have him but he he just he he, i know and i know you know it was a constant conversation about it's not who starts it's who's finishes it's not about him starting look at the number of minutes he's playing i i could be wrong but i think if you ask marvin bagley like hey you're playing 30 minutes yeah but i'm not starting i think that would probably come up I think it also came back to where the frustration lies. It came back to like, who am I not? Who's playing ahead of me? Right. You know? And and that I think there was a lot of analytics that pointed towards putting the Manjabi elites on the floor to spread the floor for De'Aaron Fox, but I don't think that worked out at all. No. <laughs> so Bagley, um, yeah, he needed to be on the floor. It, it just for for him though, if he's going to be that guy, he's really got to learn how to pass because. Last year, he had extreme tunnel vision, and I know that that had to frustrate not just Dave Yeager, but his teammates. And really, when they put in Bagley and Harry Giles midseason and, and really kind of let them go, the team lost that that thing that made them, you know, that, that team that people were afraid of for the first half of the season. You know, sort of kind of wondering, hey, how, how good can these guys be? We don't know. They're just so fast. That that went away. Um, is playing with pace is is not just running. It's not athletic, you know, ability. It's it's just an attitude, and it's 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 a quickness of mind that is really fatiguing. So if you have that, and you can constantly do that, you know, you can really put the other team on their heels. 
when the rookies came in, they kind of catch the rebound. You know, Harry would like to do the one-handed rebound catch and you know, sort of kind of like show it off a little bit. And maybe you can see Dave Yeager go, come on, let's go. Yeah. And, and those kinds of, for young players, you know, that's the little things that are hard to learn. So with Marvin, will he have passing ability? And then, um, you know, he's such a great one-on-one player. I mean, you, you, you can have a good thing in one hand where he's just completely dominant, but what does that do to the tempo of the team? It's just a fascinating question we'll see play out. I believe where the Sacramento Kings go, and this is far from a hot take, and this is obviously why I get paid major bucks to not be on the radio and do a podcast, but what the Kings do is <laughs> it's centered around De'Aaron Fox. I mean, it, it, everything that they do is centered around De'Aaron Fox, and you're seeing praise being heaped up on him from guys like Kyle Lowry and from Greg Popovich and Steve Kerr and all of the guys he's spending time with at USA. And, uh, you know, I was thinking about this. We know when 2020 rolls around, if James Harden wants to play and win an Olympic gold medal, he's going to. Uh, Same with LeBron and Russell Westbrook and Chris Paul and all those guys with that level of talent and that level of clout. And with all of that said, should things go USA's way and they wind up winning the FIBA World Cup, as everyone believes that they should on September 15th and De'Aaron Fox is a part of that team. You think De'Aaron Fox is an Olympian next year? I would think, I, ooh, yeah. I'm going to go, yeah. And and I just, you know, man, what they did last year, him and Buddy Heald. Yeah. And I, I have a hard time calling De'Aaron Fox the best player on this team when Buddy Heald's there. It's it's really close between the two of them. I'm fine with that. Like, I'm completely fine with that. But I still think, like you talked about pace earlier, I think all of that is dictated and all of that was done by Dave Yeager last year because of De'Aaron. Sure. Yeah. And, and another credit to Dave Yeager, who I was as hard on as anybody for the prior season of Zach Randolph ball, but <laughs> you know, like he really recognized it and said, okay, we're all in on this. And when I heard initial reports that they were going to be running for one, I thought Zach Randolph might play. So I, I was like, yeah, you're not going to get that guy to run at all. Um, but they went all in on it and it is the defining characteristic of the Sacramento Kings. So that does, in a, that's the tiebreaker between those two for me right now. Um, but when you look at them in comparison to the other backcourts in the NBA, I think, you know, last year, yes, uh, Damian Lillard went supersonic in the playoffs and did what he did and, you know, sort of kind of restaked his claim and CJ McCollum did a lot better in the playoffs as well. I had Fox and healed ahead of them as the third best backcourt in the league. And when you, um, when you look at what that's going to look like this season, I, I think they still have huge leap potential. If De'Aaron starts hitting that little step back three that he's been working on. And I mean, when you have to defend against that, that's just going to open up so much more. Uh, he could be legitimately, if you just kind of go, who are we picking? You know, he could actually have the talent to be on that team just straight up. But if he goes in there and he, he does what you say and wins a gold, you know, I, I think he does make that team. Yeah. There's not going to be a lot of guys on this national team. They're going to be on the Olympic team next year because of what we just laid out. There are a lot of guys who there's no prestige in the FIBA world cup. Like there's prestige in Olympic gold medal. So if LeBron wants to win another one, they're going to allow him to, if James Harden does Russell Westbrook and all of those guys, but if they're going to keep some of them around uh, from this 45 day stretch, there's a good chance in, in my opinion, especially if they win, it's going to be De'Aaron Fox. You brought up Buddy Heald. In, in, in the business, Brewski, as I know you're so familiar with, this is called a tease. This is about to be an epic tease right now because it's going to stretch over the next three or four shows. But one of the things that I wanted to talk about before I knew you know, the schedule was going to come out, before we knew about the Bagley situation with USA Basketball, is we were structuring a show around here as we were getting ready to launch this, this new version of the podcast, was around Buddy Heald. 
And you mentioned Dame Lillard. Well, Dame Lillard's right-hand man is C.J. McCollum. C.J. McCollum just got a contract extension. And the first thing I saw when I saw C.J. is, oh, what's Buddy worth? And that's what I want to talk about the next time we get together, man, is what Buddy's contract is going to be worth, man. But we're going to wrap up here. Thanks again, man, for letting me be a part of the Sacramento Pings podcast here on, on HoopBall, man. I'm excited to be a part of the team. I'm so happy to have you. We're going to have a great season here. I can't wait to be on the show a whole bunch and, and really just blow it out. And, and for folks who haven't been to HoopBall yet, you're going to see already um, you know, that we've already released a lot of great updates to the website and things are just growing like a weed over there. So uh, we're, we're excited, not just about the Kings, but everybody else, but especially about the Kings. Aaron Brewski, hoop-ball.com. Fun conversation there. I think we touched on everything regarding the schedule. I mean, there's really only so much that you could talk about. As many of you know, the season opens, as many of you know, as all of you know, you're Sacramento Kings fans. You know that the season opens up on October 23rd in Phoenix. You know that the season opens up at the Golden One Center on October 25th against the Portland Trailblazers. And I think they do have a rough stretch. I'm really intrigued by Portland. Like we know how good Dame Lillard is and we know how good CJ McCollum is. We, you know, when you talk about continuity, a word that, that, that Bruce used several times during our conversation, man, Portland has it. Denver has it. Utah has it. Those are three teams that they're playing right at the beginning of the season. Uh, they're on the road for three, and they've got four of the next five uh, at at on on the road. So they're they're tested. They're really road tested at the um, beginning of the season, and then again at the end. Uh, the Celtics are coming to the Golden One Center on November nineteenth. I'm positive I'm the only person who cares about that, but I did write that down in my notes. They actually play the Celtics uh, both times in a span of seven days. Again, I understand I'm probably the only person who cares about that, but it is in my notes, and I thought I'd bring it to your attention. So there you go, 13 back-to-backs for the Sacramento Kings. The longest road trip is a five-game, 10-day road trip in January. They'll go through Utah, Miami, Detroit, Chicago, Minnesota. Minnesota's an interesting one. I'm not buying Minnesota. At all. They had the year that they made the playoffs. They had the year that they broke their playoff, you know, drought. And they didn't make the playoffs last year. They obviously dealt with the Jimmy Butler thing. They obviously dealt with a number of things. I'm not, I'm not interested. You can't convince me on them yet. I know they got talent there, uh, but 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 I'm not convinced. Um, then the, the, what's really funny about this trip is that they it concludes, they come home, they play Oklahoma City, who I think is significantly better than anyone has given them credit for. Competing for the playoffs, probably not. But winning 10 games or 15 games or even 20 games, I don't think so. I think OKC is in the 35 win range. Like I think they're a lot better than people are giving them credit for. And the Sacramento Kings are going to come home from that long road trip. They're going to play the Thunder, and then they're going to go back on the road and play the Los Angeles Clippers the next night. So that's the stretch that the Sacramento Kings have in February. They have another stretch where they've, uh, they play six of seven games on the road. It looked really bad when I saw it at first. I was like, man, what a what a odd time to send them home. And then I realized that home game is actually the first game after the All-Star break. So they're going to spend uh, the time right before the All-Star break on the road. They're going to come back. They're going to play the one game at home, and then they're going to hit the road again uh, for another lengthy stretch. And as we talked about the one national televised game, I'm, I didn't get that. I, I thought the Kings would be significantly more of a media darling uh, than than one national TV game and then an ESPN game at that. Not even a TNT game? Come on, man. Really? No TNT? No love? 
Uh, appreciate you for tuning in, man. Really hope that you dug this. Uh, if, if, if you if you did, if you did like it, uh, please hit the subscribe button. If you have a couple of seconds, rate and review. Uh, if you ever listen to the podcast with Damian Barling, uh, and if, if you haven't, search it here on the same podcast platform that you're listening to this one on. Uh, go check it out, man. Rate and review these shows. It helps them uh, increase. It, it increases the algorithm and, and gets noticed more on iTunes and Spotify and all of these different uh, podcast platforms. So so go check it out. Check out uh, my daily podcast, the podcast with Damian Barling. Again, it is available anywhere that you get podcasts from. We'll be back multiple times a week. We really don't have set release dates uh, for this King's podcast. Our plan is we're going to drop two a week every week until the season starts and then once the season gets here maybe we'll just drop a couple after you know we'll drop one after games you know it could be three a week four a week who really knows but in the meantime we're definitely going to do 10 a week so or two a week excuse me just make sure you you set your alerts uh make sure you're notified make sure you're subscribed uh and we're going to have a good time man as the 2019-20 season approaches here and head over to hoop-ball.net for all of your basketball news. I'm Damian Barling. We'll be back again later this week with the Sacramento Kings podcast presented by Hoopball.